Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, the hacker maker, Philip Wiley. In each episode, I have a guest with a unique story on how they got started in offensive cybersecurity. And this episode, I'm very happy to introduce my friend, uh, Edne uh, Pecan. And uh, we've known each other from the local community, attended a lot of the same meetups and stuff and known each other over the years. And it's really been cool to watch him progress in his journey in offensive cybersecurity, and he's done an awesome job. And I think you can learn some really great lessons from him. Welcome to the show. Hey, Philip, how you doing? It's been a long time, and thank you for having me on your show. Hi, thanks for taking your time out of your busy schedule to to be on the show. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, we've been going to other local events for a long time now, um, and. Like, you know, same, uh, same, same thing. Like it's just been awesome to see you just, I mean, continue to grow in the community, help so many people. Um, you've just been all over. So I just love to see that. So I'm just glad to be a part of this platform. <laughs> oh, thanks. It's good to have you. It's, you know, it's with the need for cybersecurity professionals, you know, we need folks that are willing to help and, you know, the stories that the guests share are very helpful. And the, the stories resonate different with different people because, you know, the guest, this last guest I had, he was a pool cleaner. And so some people doing jobs along that lines or some other physical labor may not have any kind of clue that they could get into, you know, something in front of cybersecurity and make six plus figures, you know. And so a lot of people don't realize that. And these stories just kind of hit people differently. I had a lady on here that was an esthetician. She spent like 20 years in the beauty industry and went back to school and got like an associate's degree and IT and then an associate's degree in cybersecurity and her first job was pen testing. And then, you know, this is based on some stories just in general, you know, people always ask, you know, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50 years old. Is it too late to get in? And it's not. And so these stories, you know, hopefully encourage folks. And uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully I'm sure what you have to share today is going to be helpful to someone. So for those people that don't know you, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, my name is uh, Edne Picon, and um, yep, I'm here locally here in the Dallas area, and I've uh, been here for a few years now, um, but I'm originally from Stanford, Connecticut, East Coast, uh, New York City area, um, but I'm actually Haitian, but born in the States, so when people see my name, they get really confused, but yeah, Edne um, doesn't mean anything special, really, uh, just a combination of two relatives. <laughs> And my last name, Picon, that does mean spicy in French, though. So um, that, that's a fun one. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've, you know, started cybersecurity before it was hot. Like, I literally started in a garage. Um, you know, first, of course, I did the student worker position in Michigan. I went there to school. Um, and, you know, I really enjoyed what I was doing because originally I want to go for philosophy. Like, I, I just enjoy philosophy. And I never forget going into the, uh, my advisor and he was telling me that you're not going to make any money. <laughs> I'm like, but I enjoy it. He's like, well, are you gonna, are you, do you want to have a family? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, don't do it. I'm like, okay. So I just ended up choosing, you know, IT because I already liked it naturally at home, you know, just working with computers and stuff, you know, breaking things and all that. So you just naturally enjoy it. Um, and, you know, working in the student, like working at the help desk was a great experience. You know, you just learn a lot from the bottom and work your way up. You learn how to deal with people um, because sometimes when you have a request that comes in, I mean, depending on how upset the customer is, you need to know how to help them emotionally than the technical aspect, you know? So that was a good skill set to learn early. Um, then of course, went to doing some networking, wire buildings, learned a lot from that, uh, making you know, Cat5 Cat <laughs> cables, you know, good time there. Um, and I came across this opportunity in Michigan to work for a startup, but we had a big contract with, you know, doing work with for Chrysler. Um, but it was a cyber role, you know, but cyber just wasn't a big thing. And it was in the garage and it, you just, you're not sure exactly like where this is going, but, oh, it was the best thing. It was literally the best thing. I'm so glad I did it. Um, I did end up at the time going to another role in the healthcare, which was Cerner. But I realized that I missed working in the cybersecurity space. And what's crazy is by the time I got back to go into cybersecurity, I'm thinking like, well, I've did this before. I'm good. I can just go on interviews and just, you know, kill the interview. And everything changed over four, of course, four years, everything changed. Like there's terminology now called like SIM. And it's like, what? What's a SIM? Like, what is this? <laughs> you know, um, just, uh, just a whole bunch of different things changed. And I had to catch up on it all. But I was glad to get back into the cyberspace. Um, oh, I just love it. And one of the things that also kind of realized that this could be a career was when I got into a TV show called 24, Jack Bowers, best TV series of all time. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. Um, of course, it's TV, but there was a lot of things that were very cybersecurity related um, that made me realize that, wow, this could actually could be a career. So uh, that was a big impact, um, big impact as well. Very cool. So what made you to decide to get over into the more of the offensive side? Yeah, with the, with the, you know, with Cyber, I did start on the blue team side. And, you know, it's great to have that experience as well. Um, because you want to know for sure, like, as you're defending, what do you need to what do you need to defend against the you know the adversary, and vice versa with the red team. Like, you need to understand the blue team and their methodology and techniques. Um, but you know, one of the things, you know, for me that I wanted to get I wanted to get into is just I like playing offensive, uh, even when it comes to sports. <laughs> uh, I love the adrenaline rush. I just love that, you know. So for me, it's kind of like an adrenaline rush. It's just fun. It's always something new. You're looking at a new uh, infrastructure. You got new attack surface. Everything's just new. So just that, um, just that alone, it just keeps. It kept me going. You know, it's always fun to just, you know, touch something new. Um, so that's one of the biggest things that, 
you know, I loved about it. And um, especially the beginning stage, what you like to call the recon process, reconnaissance, um, or if you want to say enumeration, like that phase, I would say is my favorite one, you know, because even before you start doing all the attacks and everything, like you, you want to for sure know, okay, what can I get into? Um, let me see what I can find. And having that intuition to know, okay, of all the stuff that I found, this is, the, this is my mark right here. This is my mark. This is where I'm going to go with. And um, that part is just so fun to me. Like it's, it's, it's always something different. So you've, got, you've worked in pen testing and red teaming. So what, which do you kind of prefer over, over the two? Almost oh, definitely red teaming. Um, red teaming, you get to get involved in, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, things that are not as methodology based. You know, with pen testing, you still got to follow a particular methodology. You can't veer off too much. Um, but with the red team, uh, it's it's all open game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all open game. I mean, just little. Just things that you don't really think of until you see the environment, um, whether you're going through uh, max spoofing. Um, I mean, it's just there's so many things that you can do um, in, in, in red teaming. And I think right now um, in our industry, uh, of course, pen testing is still uh, needed. Um, but I think people are wanting to get a little bit more granular and a little bit more freestyle which is great, you know, and, that, and that's where, where, the, where the red team comes along. Um, yeah. Yeah, it seems like the compliance pen testing is really what kind of messed that area up because, you know, from what I understand, I mean, I got in pen testing back in 2012, but some people I talked to have been in the industry longer, you know, you used to have some of your full scope pen tests and, you know, uh, social engineering was involved, physical pen testing was involved there was more involved but it seemed like once people's budgets was you know getting made up for or you know they need these budgets were justified for compliance then all of a sudden you're just focusing on stuff for pci you're not worried about social engineering anymore or physical you're not doing some of the red team type stuff it's all just narrow scope and i think a lot of that people kind of neglected and it seems like you know, people realize we need to do this. These are areas that are weak and, and the red teaming started to catch back on or started to catch on. Exactly. Like I have this line that I always use when dealing with like whether it's customers or whatever. Um, I would say like, you know, we have to stop being afraid of, we have to be, we have to start getting more afraid of the adversaries than the auditors. You know, we're so like, Oh, auditors, auditors, auditors. It's like, we should, we need to have that same focus when it comes to adversary, you know, like a lot of things that we do, and enterprise is really to please the auditors and we're not, you know, we're not considering the actual adversary. Yeah. The adversary doesn't, don't care if you're PCI compliant. So yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how things have evolved. Cause you also look at, you know, you're talking about how you were out of cybersecurity for four years, you came back and there's all this stuff that wasn't there when you left and you know it's really kind of gotten that way on the offensive side too you know one time you had pen testers and you did some web you did some network but it's pretty interesting how that's evolved you know oh, all the technologies it's true that is so true you got apis got mobile i mean I, iot's and that, that's really becoming a big thing you know and iot's is 
interesting because it's it was all these wearables. I mean, you're a walking internet of thing. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, so it's and then you got the autonomous vehicles, and then to, to in order to have the autonomous vehicles and the metaverse and all that, you need 5G because you need you need a bit of a transit all those different data points very quickly. So now I got now you got 5G in the mix. Like it's just oh my goodness, the tax surface is is just going to get bigger. You know, you got the cloud, and it's not like we're going to go back to paper. You know, like nobody no one's going to do that. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Yeah, we're too far. We're too far gone now. Yeah, I, mean, I remember I, I worked at a mortgage company for like 14 years, and I remember like in, you know, when we worried about Y2K, you know, if something broke there. <laughs> that wouldn't have been nearly as bad back then it is now. I mean, we're too far gone to try to go back to pencil and paper, and I don't think <laughs> anyone, I don't think anyone's prepared to do that if I they know, have to. It's, it's going to be tough. I mean, you're not going to be able to scale anymore. You're going to miss the the convenience of being able to disconnect with everything from, you know, whether it's a Dropbox or whatever tool app that you're using. Um, I mean, even with cloud, like the business continuity aspect, I mean, so should we see with, you know, the pandemic, like, you know, with people working remotely, you can still continue on with business if you were in a cloud, you know, pretty easily. Um, and, you know, even when you're looking at the OSI model, you most definitely see this shift, you know, like a lot of work back in the day was done layer three and four of the tools and protection. And now it's all about layer seven, you know, um, that's where a lot of the activity is happening. And we're still trying to, we're still fumbling with it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like what they said that one meme a while back or one of the, the ongoing jokes was, you know, what helped your company through the digital transformation and, you know, the uh -huh. pandemic, you know, because it kind of forced people to to go to the cloud. You know, people had plans to go to the cloud, but they had to go there quicker. And oh, yeah. you know, a lot of people weren't set up to work remotely, but then they had to force it. and Accelerate it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, you know, it is good at the end of the day, you know. Um, this, this just makes things so much easier. Like, even... If you were to try to, you know, you want to do some testing and, you know, you don't want to touch prod necessarily, but I mean, you can clone that so much easier, you know. Now, what is true from a, because it is easy, one of the biggest issues is people standing up, you know, web applications because it's like click next, 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 you know, and it's like, oh, all right, cool, yeah. Like they're not going through the SDLC process. They're just people are just sending up things all over the place, and it's like, oh, I didn't realize that's that's actually externally facing. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. externally facing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Or I guess there's probably chances of someone's cloning something else accidentally if it's going to be like a, you know, a dev environment or UAT environment and actually accidentally cloning something with customer data or employee yeah. data. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and the, and the thing is, it's not like they got an alert to say, "Oh, this is what you did." By the way, it's like you just don't know until an adversary brings it to your attention when you get. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, it's not like the adversary is gonna be like, "Hey, you, you know, this thing is over here." <laughs> yeah, they're just gonna pwn it. Yeah, they're just gonna pwn it. You know. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's tough because the tax surface is most definitely getting bigger and. Which is why, you know, now there's a marketplace for ASM, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So as far as, you know, during, you know, 
before the pandemic and now, have you seen things really change for what type of uh, stuff that you're getting requests to test? Yeah, I mean, I would say, um, <clears throat> you know, the changes is, it, it almost seems like it's not as much, you know, different, I think more so things kind of accelerated for people. So now, um, you know, it's more of the testing of like, let's say for example, now that things are so remote, even with the app on the mobile, I mean, APIs are just becoming a really big thing right now um, because less and less people are doing things on their laptop and doing it more on their phone. And I think because of the remote aspect, it causes people to actually, you know, get into their phone more because they're, they're more like around moving, you know, maybe running errands, but still can work from their phone. You don't have to like walk with their laptop. That's just kind of odd. So now you're kind of concerned about, well, if you're, if you're working from your phone, you got to really make sure that there's some security measures in place, you know, what you're connecting to. Um, but I think it's, it's just really accelerated uh, like we talked about before the cloud, I'm mm -hmm. um, really getting, really getting a lot of testing done in that space because now a lot of people have been moving to it so quickly. Like they're lifting up, they're, they're doing heavy lift from the application where it was before locally and now they're putting into the cloud. So, um, pandemic really pushed, most definitely accelerated that. Um, and you know, some people have fumbled, <laughs> Uh, some yeah. had a had a playbook that you know they were able to follow. So yeah, I, I think it most definitely varies. It most definitely varies, though. Yeah. So so what are the some of the skills you think for someone that's getting started out that you'd recommend? Because you know, with all these new technologies, there's so many people with network pen testing experience, and some with web. What would be a good area to focus on if someone's wanting to get into the industry? Yeah, like, you know, usually when I talk to folks and, you know, I usually ask them a few questions in a sense of, you know, because I like to be, keep it very realistic with people so they know what they're getting themselves into because naturally cybersecurity is a hot topic. Oh, if I get this job, I'm going to make making, you know, six figures and all that. Okay, that now that is true. But now let's think about like what's involved under the hood. You know, um, one of the biggest things is things are, are changing very quickly. <laughs> so you have to have the ability to always learn and learn how to learn. Um, and then also be able to research. Now, because of that, sometimes school is just not the best option. It can't scale for the way things change in cybersecurity. So uh, you want to be able to have the ability to research, to learn how to learn things on the fly. Um, and be comfortable with that, or sometimes be uncomfortable doing things just because it's so new. Like even if you were to, um, like say, you know, like you know, sometimes when you look at the job description, they'll say like five years and all these, like that could be intimidating. And the truth is, they need to change that language because to say five years of something doesn't mean that you're an expert. It might even mean that I'm I'm, not, I'm actually concerned that you have five years because do you have relative experience? Is, is what I'm more curious about because the five years that you have may not be relevant. So. You know, one of the big things I would say is, you know, I like SANS as one of the really good cybersecurity training. And what I like to do is I have to I tell people to look at their syllabus section and you can look at all the different cyber jobs 
from forensics, red teaming, blue teaming, purple teaming, uh, OSINT. Um, and you can read and look at the expectations, what's needed, what's kind of done, and you get a good picture of when you're reading that, hmm, is that something that I would really enjoy? You know, because one of the things I'm finding is because cybersecurity is just moving so quickly, is there's a lot of areas you can get into, there, people don't know where to start. Even when they're actually in cybersecurity, sometimes they still don't know what they want to do. And I think that's really the big key, too, is first finding out what is it that you actually enjoy doing naturally. What are you wired for? Because when you get into the workplace, uh, the idea is you want to bring things to, to your management. You want to be proactive. Uh, you don't want to just do what's on the job description because that's really your reasonable service. You want to kind of do more than that um, because things are changed so quickly. The expectation is that because you're enjoying this, you're, you're wired for this, you're going to be able to find different things that can help the organization. Um, just by you being proactive, researching, you know, because uh, you can't necessarily just say, oh, I'm going to go to school to learn this thing. By the time you learn it, you come out, there's already something new. <laughs> so um, SANS is great to start to look at all the different cyber roles. What is that you like? Okay, let me try this out. And I would say uh, another huge thing is really taking advantage of LinkedIn. I mean, my goodness, like you most definitely have to brain yourself and that's even a whole nother topic on its own, but you most definitely want to bring yourself on LinkedIn. I'm talking about from the top of the photo, your wallpaper to the bottom, having the right background, the right profile pic, the right title, uh, the right, you know, about you, you know, really, uh, you know, because even the thing is, one of the biggest things is, well, I've never had a cyber job. It's irrelevant. The thing is, you try to piggyback off of what you've already done, you know, and if you show the progress that what you're doing has that trajectory of, yeah, this this person looks like they're on the right track with cybersecurity, even though I know they haven't had a role, but I see that they're doing hack the box. I see that they're doing over the wire. I see that they're doing all these different things that um, show that this person is on the right track. Um, that, that, that comes a long way because uh, honestly, everybody in cybersecurity is always gonna be, always kind of be learning. So you're really gonna be at the same position with everybody else, always learning something new. You know, so it's going to be important to really leverage LinkedIn, the networking, take advantage of the data of the algorithm that LinkedIn uses, um, find out what you want to do in cyber, like what you have a passion for, what you're wired for. Uh, and that's going to be a really good start because then when you do that, then you're going to be able to now move with your career a little bit easier because you're not going to be all over the place. The certifications that you're going to do are going to be based on the career path that you want. You know, the conferences that you go to, uh, the people that you connect with, that's all going to be geared, the people that you follow on Twitter, because that's another thing, you want to follow people on Twitter as well. Um, it's going to be now narrowed exactly to that path, because you don't want to be getting certification from all these different things in cyber if, you know, you, you want to focus on this area that you're going to be really drilling your career at um, so that you don't, you don't, you don't lose focus. That's a good point. So what would you recommend for someone to try to discover what they want to do in cyber? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that, cause it's going to be different for different people, but um, the first step is, you know, you're still gonna have to do the fundamentals. Like, like I like to use a uh, CompTIA uh, just for the fundamentals in a sense of, you know, you got your, you know, your A plus just to kind of understand software and hardware, but then you got network plus and then security plus. 
and then that's a good foundation and then from there you kind of move forward so certifications i don't think they're bad uh, i think they're you know they're, they're you know they're great um you just got to know how to leverage it um and then depending on your style you know like i i particularly am someone that i would have rather study put more effort into studying the interview put more time doing my re recon on the on the organization uh their mission uh the people that work there so I can really prepare properly because you you know you can still get the cert but you still got to get the job, <laughs> and there's a lot of people that are going to be having certs like yourself. So something has to differentiate you, and a lot of times I, I think sometimes we miss the interview because uh, we're just assuming that because I got the certification I'm, I'm good. And it's like there's a lot of people that got a certification too, so you still have to you know set yourself apart somehow to be remembered. Um, because you know there's a lot of people going for you know the job, so you got to be doing something different. So um, you know, doing CompTIA is going to kind of help get an understanding of, okay, let me get the fundamentals. Got that? All right. Uh, now I really want to know, like, where in cyber do I want to go? That's the big question. Where do I want to go? And what's going to help is to look at some type of uh, big picture. And, you know, because you don't have the luxury of trying all these different jobs, you almost want to try it out in a sense of looking at the syllabus, reading it. Uh, maybe connect with somebody on LinkedIn that actually is in the role, or maybe someone you might know. Go out to you know, you know, coffee with them. You know, obviously pay for it and just pick their brain and ask them the role. How is it like working in this role? Do you think knowing me? Do you think I would like it? What are some things? You know, having that those conversations. Like, uh, I mean, you you want to you you want to get as real as possible, and I think one of the best things is talking to people that are actually in the actual role. You know, um, of course, you can read blogs as well. Um, you know, you can read, you know, what different things are, but you really want to be able to talk to some human, you know, on how is this role like? You know, you know, and if they know you, they can even help you out even better. Um, so that's that would be a good way to start is to figure out what you want to do first. Because now when you figure that out, you'll then be able to focus better on your next path like which is going to be creating a home lab for example because the one thing about cybersecurity is it's and i think it's going to be this is big really across multiple careers in our in our world today is going to be skill set skill set is really crucial um you know i like uh, uh mit's slogan like mind in hand you know you know re we really need to have that like the hands-on experience and sometimes even if you can't get the experience working on a corporate job at the time because you're, you're just getting a cyber the home lab those count you know if you can explain to someone in an interview what is it that you um, about the question they ask in a sense of application because you've done it in your in your lab um, that also works because they see your potential uh, so your home lab will be really nice to have um, and you know, doing the different things to practice your different skill sets, like hack the box, that's a really good one. Um, over the wire is Odie, but goody, I love it. <laughs> I love over the wire. Uh, but of course, there's a lot of these that come up, you know, come up a lot. Um, one of the biggest that I actually think is a big help too is you to surround yourself by people that are in cyber. And sometimes, if you can't do that because you don't know anybody right away. One of the ways is to, you know, get the Meetup app, and you know, 
of course, now with the pandemic, it's kind of hard, but I think, you know, hopefully this year we'll be moving along, uh, going to events physically, is to join cybersecurity meetup, chapter meetup, uh, you know, groups, you know, in your local area. That's going to be really huge um, because what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing that there's people like you as well at, your, at the same stage, so you're not alone. And that's another thing that's hard to think that you're alone in this and you're not. Like, there's a lot of other people that are out there in the same stage with you, and there's people there that want to actually help you. Like, people at the chapter meetups, they, they love helping people that's just getting started. They love it. They have a passion for it, especially like Philip himself. I mean, he's great at it. You know, sometimes I see you on LinkedIn. Hey, you know, someone's trying to get into cyber, you promote them on LinkedIn. I mean, that kind of stuff is hard to get if you're not connecting with people at these local events. Um, podcasts are really good because as you're listening to them, you're hearing what they're talking about, you're hearing the conversation, and it's giving you more of an, a concept, an idea of what cybersecurity is like. It almost puts you in that environment, even though you're not necessarily in it at the time yet, but it almost puts you in that environment. Like listening to things like Darknet Diaries, my goodness. I mean, I always say like, if, you're an, like if you were an Uber driver and you played that, that person would not want to get out the car until that episode is over. <laughs> it is that interesting. And they talk about red team, blue team, uh, they they give like real life situational things that happen, and and you you have the advantage of hearing what they did, how did they remediate it, what did they, how did this even happen? I mean that that's amazing, you know. Um, and there's a lot too. And again, see that's another thing too. Like your podcast will also depend on what you're interested in in cyber. So for me particularly, I love OSINT. A lot of my podcasts are going to be related to more OSINT related things. Um, Another big one I would say is to get an app called uh, Fusion. You can get it on the Android or um, Apple store. And uh, what I like about <clears throat> Fusion is, is, you know, it's called a News Fusion. It basically aggregates all the different cyber, you know, articles and stuff that you would naturally read, and it just puts it into one spot. And what's good is, you know, you look at all the different breaches that are happening, and you can see what's happening in the real world, you know. It gives a really good idea or um, as we call uh, in the wild, you know, giving you a good idea of what's happening, uh, what are the tools, you know, how many times is this happening? Okay, this is, must be a concern. I should bring this up to my organization. Like I'm noticing that F5, you know, continues to get, you know, reaches. You know, you can add these kind of things basically, you know, to your arsenal and then bring it to the workplace and be, you know, ahead of the game and, you know, bring and uh, bring an added value. Um, and then also kind of seeing that, if this, you know, these are the top things that I keep seeing getting breached. Um, let me kind of practice that in my lab and see how they did it and try to do it in my lab. You know, so before I do it in a product environment, you know, in a workplace, uh, or, um, I can do it in my own, in my own test environment. So I, I have that more, I have more of that confidence. Uh, but, but of course there's many podcasts out there. Um, but again, Knowing what you want to do in cyber first is going to help you know what type of things that you want to actually obtain and and put in your arsenal. That's some some, some great advice. Yeah. So we're we're getting down towards the end of the show. You have anything you'd like to share that maybe we didn't discuss? Yeah, um, and you know, actually, you know, even things like uh, Discord. Um, you know, this is a great tool to use. You can talk to, you know, many different people on there. Even some of the people that's created the tools. Like, I, my goodness, like the other day, 
uh, I talked with Jeff Foley. He's the creator of uh, the AMAS tool, which is a very popular tool that uh, you will be using on the red team side. Um, and we just had a conversation. I mean, just a great conversation about how to use the tool better. He had questions about, you know, things that would make the tool better, uh, things that you've noticed. I mean, just, and this is the creator uh, of the tool. These people are very well respected. They're just very professional. They always want to be able to help you out. So, um, you know, most definitely be involved in the community. Uh, you have Slack as well, uh, Mattermost. These are great um, apps that you can use, Telegram. Um, but I would, you know, really in totality say that the cybersecurity space is a big space, but it becomes smaller when you, you know, start to get yourself familiar with everyone. Um, but it is moving fast. So it's going to be important to have an aptitude to want to research and learn how to learn. Yeah, that's some good points, especially learning learning how to learn. I had someone on a podcast a while back that, you know, said once they learned how to learn things, it just kind of accelerated, you know, their learning process. So that's, yeah. that's some great advice. Exactly. Yeah, you won't, you won't feel uncomfortable because you know it's coming where you're going to have to learn something that, that you don't know. You just know it's coming. So uh, you might as well just embrace it. <laughs> Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, things the way things change so much in this industry, you've got to be, you know, learning. Especially yeah. when you start out, you're you're kind of focusing not in so narrow. You're focusing on a lot of different things, trying to learn it. Maybe you specialize down the road, but yeah, there's just so yeah. much new technology. And I, would, and I would say this would be for really everyone. Like even in the auto space, like if you are a mechanic, you're gonna at some point. You gotta have to get familiar with with autonomous vehicles because you open up a hood of a Tesla. I mean, there's no engine in there. You know, uh, working in the far, in the uh, in the uh, hospital industry, there's no more paper. I mean, you're putting things in EMR. You gotta be comfortable working on a, on a on an iPad. You know, on a tablet. Uh, you know, these are big changes for people. You know, so um, I would say because uh, information technology, like everything, is becoming uh, information based. It's you know. Everything's about data. Cybersecurity is a just a a great space to be in because you will always need security. You know, back in the day it was just oh my network is up, I don't need security because security doesn't make me money. Um, but because of these breaches and the attack service that is growing and everything is now, you know, um, on the cloud for example, um, everything is externally facing a lot of things. Um, you just have to get security or once you get breach, uh, there's no more company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, but it's a fun industry. Honestly, it's fun. Um, everybody is great. Sometimes it can seem intimidating, but uh, honestly, like it's the idea is to have that aspect of learning how to learn and learning from other people and, you know, and being okay with that. Um, yeah. Well, th thanks for joining me. And thanks for, for sharing your story and knowledge. I think it's going to be very helpful to folks. So I appreciate you joining. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on this show, Philip. Uh, it's a pleasure and honor. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining. And we'll see you on the next episode. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at 
bugcrowd.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.